What up? The triumphant return is upon us, baby. Man, it's been a while. April 22nd, 2020. Sports talk, unfiltered, unapologetic back. Your boy, Ryan Alter here, day before the draft. I always get hyped before the draft. And um, I've been talking shop with my boy, Justin. I just got off the phone with him, fellow Niner fan. Been talking nonstop with all my other boys, really. On Twitter to listen to NFL radio, all kinds of stuff going on. And uh, we've obviously, like all other years, broken this down to nauseum. This year's different, though, man. This is the first uh, coronavirus draft we're having. So the NFL over the past few years has broken their TV rating pretty much every year consistently. But I have a feeling this year is going to smash that to the point where 2021 is not going to beat 2020. I think everybody and their mother is going to be turning into this draft. Uh, sorry, tuning into this draft because there has been a complete lack of sports other than the MJ documentary that ESPN put out, which actually killed in ratings, obviously, because there's nothing else going on. And it's MJ and the Bulls. Um, this is basically the next live thing for something happening here. And um, let's get to it, man. I have a lot of thoughts. I've gone through my mocks and somewhat uh, who I think is going to take where and all the smoke being thrown out there. And that's the best part about the draft, to be totally honest with you, to me, is it's it's a complete guessing game on so many different levels. One is you have no clue. I don't give a crap who you are. I don't care if you're Daniel Jeremiah, who's basically replaced Mike Mayock, who's now the Raiders GM as the top analyst for NFL Network. I don't care if you're Adam Schefter or uh, that other dork who works for ESPN with uh, McShay, um, Mel Kuyper, Helmet Head, any of those guys, right? They don't know who's going to turn out to be good. They just have a feeling on who the top prospects are and who's going to draft them. But when they sit there and say, this guy's going to be a stud, this and that, no, you don't know that. <laughs> you don't. You, you don't know what a guy's going to do between college and the pros. You just don't. Now, you can have gut feelings and you can have your own opinions and stuff. And that's all fine and Danny because I think I've been covering this pretty heavily now for probably close to 20 years. And I've probably been wrong for 20 straight years. <laughs> and a few of them I've probably hit on and, and I was right about. And a bunch of them I probably missed. And I'm really no different than these dorks who get paid money to, to talk about this stuff. So having said all that, um, I'm excited for tomorrow. I have a couple guys um, that, that I want. You know, I was pissed off when the Niners traded DeForest Buckner just because I like Buckner. I right away understood why they did it. It was within reason. They weren't going to pay a defensive tackle who's not Aaron Donald or someone else that dominant $20 million a year. So I was fine with that. It still sucks because Buckner is um, just, you know, a stellar guy, man. He's a presence in the locker room. He's a leader. He always plays. He never has injuries that keep him out. Um, he plays hard. He never takes plays off. He's productive. I mean, the list goes on and on. So that was a little rough for me to see him leave. But again, I understand why the Niners did it. They weren't going to pay him 20 or $21 million a year. And I'm fine with that. He's not a quarterback. And when you have a championship caliber roster that you want to somewhat keep together and compete for the next few years to try to get that ring. You can't pay guys that aren't your quarterback $20 million. So 
not only that, the Niners have to break off George Kittle at some point, which that's already going on past two months, heading to th- month three. And I'm getting a little nervous about because if they don't get that deal done, they head into his final year of his deal. And then they got to worry about franchise tagging him and sign him to even more money after next season. So with that said, let's get to it. I think it's obvious by now to everybody that the Bengals are taking Burrow one and that Chase Young defensive end from douchebag state is going to go number two uh, to the Redskins. So I think that Washington, for whatever reason to me, they've made the right choice in hiring Ron Rivera. But if I'm them, I am shopping that number two pick to Miami, to the Chargers, to Jacksonville, who, by the way, is the new team emerging that's supposedly in the mix to go draft one of these big-name quarterbacks. I think the Jaguars, what that signifies, if that's true, is they aren't really uh, buying into the whole Minshew mania. I think what that means is, you know, the Jags got rid of Foles to the Bears because they have cap problems, not because they think Garden Minshew's Dan Marino. He's not, okay? He's more Uncle Rico than Dan Marino. And I think they still are in the game here to have a big-name quarterback, a guy that's going to be a franchise difference maker, and they've thrown their uh, supposed name in the hat here to, to trade up to try to get Tua or Justin Herbert. Now, I'm not the biggest Tua guy, but I'll tell you right now, I'll take him over Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert is a nightmare waiting to happen. I get he's 6'6 and can throw off his knees 60 yards or whatever you want to call it, but that guy's got Kyle Bowler written all over him. I'm not going to say Joe Flacco because Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl against my team nonetheless. Anyway... I um, I still think Washington to trade that pick to one of these three teams that, that are desperate to move up and get Tua or Herbert, but they're probably going to stay pat and take Chase Young. Uh, that leaves Detroit at number three. I think Detroit moving down with Miami at five or San Diego at six or Jackson or wherever the hell they pick is a no-brainer because I don't think Detroit, unless they're in love with Derek Brown, uh, or one of these other guys is gonna is gonna sit there and and keep that pick when they can get extremely good value, even if they're still in the top ten, even if they're top fifteen. So I would go ahead and make one of those teams overpay for my pick three, and I'd make that move. There's a lot of rumors also you've been hearing lately about uh, Otica from Ohio State, who most people have mocked to Detroit at three. I've heard. Some different rumors. Now, again, what one of the best parts about this leading up to the draft is the smoke you hear, okay? And a lot of it is BS, and a lot of it can be true, and it just you never know until the day comes. But one of the rumors out there is that NFL GMs view C.J. Henderson from Florida as a higher prospect than Otica from Douchebag State. And I think that if that comes to be true, you're going to see Otica fall. And that very well could happen. So we don't really know um, until tomorrow how this stuff is kind of going to shake out. But I like this draft a lot. I like a lot of the prospects. I think there's going to be some difference makers in it. And um, it's really cool to go into this thing with the unknowing of who's going to be jockeying for who. The kid I like a lot and I've bought into the hype is Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn. And I think that 
if he has a couple things from what most people say he needs to work on, and I can't remember completely right now if it was certain um, basically rushing techniques that he needs to work on, um, swim moves and power rush and a few other things, I think they said that he could be a dominant defensive tackle in the league. So I actually happen to think that the Giants might be the one, or Detroit if they don't trade with Miami, San Diego. I keep calling them San Diego, but they're the LA Chargers. I can't get used to saying that. And the Jaguars, they, if, if the Lions don't like the offer they're getting from those three teams and they basically stay pat at three, it would not shock me to see them take Derek Brown from Auburn. If they don't and they do make that trade for someone moving up to take two or whoever, then I could definitely see the Giants at four if they don't move out of that pick taking Brown at four. But – we're going to see what happens. I, I, I think Brown is, uh, you know, one of the most safest bets, even though defensive end and tackle defensive line period is a, is a position of risk in that, in, in that league and draft. If you look at the history of, of first round picks and especially top 10 picks, a lot of those guys end up being busts. but Brown to me, I like his potential and I think the kid can be a really good player. I, I'm really nervous for a few of these teams overpaying to get one of these quarterbacks. So again, uh, Miami, you know, they're just a mess. They've, they spent like $130 million or just something insane like that um, on the off season on free agents. They're just, they're going to be in cap hell in a year. It won't even be two years. It'll be one year. Then they'll also mortgage the farm to go up and get this quarterback who more than likely, in my opinion, I don't see a difference maker. Joe Burrow, you can say what you want about him that he's going to be, but I'm not even sure about that. No offense, but, I mean, going to the Bengals in itself is just a curse. So I I think there's better value to be had after that top five uh, outside of Derrick Brown. All right. Welcome back. Segment two, man. I got to hit my Niners. Um I got too many different thoughts here and scenarios that I wanted to kind of get out. Obviously, none of them I know Jack about for sure happening. So they're just random thoughts. And I got a million of them. So my mind's kind of been going nuts about who these guys are going to take, especially after they traded Buckner and they got that 13th pick and they kept so far their 31. So first off, I'm not going to be shocked if they move out from 13 or 31. I think the likely pick that they would trade from would be 13 because I do feel like this draft is deep and very even, so to speak. But sometimes guys fall and other teams get really, really happy about it and want to move up and they may overpay or it's just something the Niners are looking to do so they can stockpile some picks. And so I could definitely see that happening. I don't see them moving both their picks. It just is unrealistic. Not to sit there and just stockpile tons of two, threes, and fours, right? You got to have a first-round pick, I think, if you're San Francisco in this situation because you just lost to Forrest Buckner and you just lost Emmanuel Sanders. So that brings me to the strategy here with who the Niners might be looking at. First off, Let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. They're not taking a quarterback or a running back. That's done. Okay. Now you turn to the sexy pick, which is every schmuck that's in the fan base wants, which is a receiver. 
which is fine. I get how fans think like that, right? It's the sexy pick, the receiver, the guy that can break it to the house and do whatever for you. I'm fine with that too. But you got to look at some things here and something's got to give. One is Kyle Shanahan, no matter where he's been, as an offensive coordinator, and now his fourth year with San Francisco, he's never taken a receiver. Or the teams he's been with has never taken a receiver in the first round. So that's one thing. Now you're talking about like a 15-year history there. Mike Shanahan's whole career as a head coach with Oakland and Denver never took a receiver except I think once or twice in the first round over 10 year span. Also, I just forgot he was in Washington too. Okay. So you have those things right there. It's, it's the histories behind them not taking a first round receiver. Now there's an obvious one, Javon Kinlaw defensive tackle from South Carolina, the Niners, it would seem that's a complete plug-and-play situation, meaning you lost Buckner, you have a, a void right there, you're either going to do it by committee because you haven't signed anybody, or you're going to draft this kid and put him right in there and let him eat. Now, if that's their guy, I'm good with that. I'm good with whoever they take at 13 because I feel like Lynch and Shanahan have earned the right to feel like they have a difference maker they want to take there, and I'm going to believe in whoever the pick is. Now, I think I'm looking at the numbers and history. Receiver, to me, because of the reasons I just stated, seems unlikely. Kinlaw, to me, is almost, it's strange that it's going to sound like too obvious, right? So if they really believe he's that good of a prospect, then I can see them just taking him and just plugging and playing him and replacing Buckner. Then you got a guy for four or five years as rights, and he may be a stud, and you got him for way cheaper than you were going to have to pay Buckner the 20 or 21 million the Colts just did. But for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's because I've kind of just grown to this think that Derek Brown is going to be a possible stud the last couple of weeks. Kinlaw is not viewed like Brown. So what scares me about him is, is he going to be like the difference maker that Buckner was or a player of Brown's caliber? And if he was, why isn't he being heavily touted and recruited as a top 10 prospect like Brown is right now? And like Buckner was when the Niners took him seventh overall. So that part has me a little bit on the fence and nervous about him. So if the Niners do take him, I will actually be excited because that means to me, they thought he was the best player available at that point. And I truly believe San Francisco drafts the best player available, just like they did Bosa last year when they still already had a ton of linemen and had signed D Ford. So I think that San Francisco will take the best player available in their mind. Now you go back to offensive line and corner, two positions that people have talked about. There's been some good points out there. If Joe Staley's committed to coming back this year, okay, I don't like taking a tackle at 13 if he's going to sit on the bench. Now, if it's Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, who is a hell of an athlete, he was a state wrestling champion and shot put champion, and his numbers were off the chart of the combine. And I just like Iowa players, i.e., Kittle. Bob Sanders, ton of other guys that have came from that school that just are hard-nosed, tough ball players. Okay, Worse can play guard. So you can plug him in for Tomlinson or Mike Person, who's gone now at left or right guard. So that would kind of make some sense. The question is, is Worse going to fall to the Niners at 13, which is highly unlikely. That leaves uh, uh, Jedrick Wills. It also leaves Andrew Thomas from Georgia. And it also leaves a fourth tackle who I'm kind of forgetting about. 
off the top of my head right now. But basically, there's four big guys. Oh, Becton. Becton's out. Uh, my boy Bobby and me were talking about that the other day. He's just, he's basically like Trent Brown. He's a really good athlete, but he's huge. He's just too big to fit Shanahan's style of offense. So he's done. They're not taking him. Wills, I could see them taking, but he doesn't translate to guard. He's a tackle. And they already have McGlinchey at right tackle. I don't know if Wills can play left. But again, I don't think they're taking a guy that's just going to sit behind McGlinchey or Will, or I'm sorry, or Joe Staley. So that has him out. Andrew Thomas, to me, is the better prospect than Wills or Becton. I think he's the more surefire player along with Wirfs. But again, he doesn't play guard. So I think offensive line is out unless it's Wirfs. That leaves receiver. Back to receiver, right? And cornerback. Corner is another spot that the Niners have three guys, okay, playing the outside. Richard Sherman, Mosley, and Witherspoon. Witherspoon and Mosley are both battling, probably going into training camp for that second spot. Sherman's not losing his spot. Now, as most people know, and have figured out over time, especially with today's NFL, it took me a while to even get it. Playing the nickel in the slot, basically, or playing the slot is different than playing the outside. There's very few guys, unless you're Revis, who's retired, and now Jalen Ramsey, who will just sit there and shadow a guy the whole game. That doesn't happen anymore, rarely. So you're either playing one side of the field on, on the outside, or you're playing in the slot. And those are two different skill sets. Okay, Kwan Williams is actually pretty good for the Niners playing that slot receiver. So he has that pretty much, you know, I don't want to say locked down, but he's good at it to a degree. And then they have Mosley and Witherspoon battling for that spot. So I think drafting a guy like Odika who might slip to you or CJ Henderson is another case like offensive line where that guy may sit, which kind of to me says, why is San Francisco, who's a Super Bowl caliber ready team, taking a guy at 13 that might not even see the field that much? It doesn't make sense. Which brings me back to receiver or possibly trading the pick. There's not a defensive end. They're not taking a defensive end. Not unless they move D Ford, which I think that's smoke. The rumor that's been out the last few days that they're shopping him. They'd just be stupid. Because why would you get rid of D Ford and DeForest Buckner? It makes no sense. You're, you're trading away two of your dominant linemen. And you're just asking Bosa to be triple teams, essentially. And, and be almost ineffective because he doesn't have players around him to kind of help him out. So I think Ford's kept, Bosa's kept, you got your two bookends, you got Armstead back, and then you have to fill another spot. Armstead technically, to me, is better as an end than tackle, but he'll play a lot of tackle next year. So you need that other run-stuffing, space-eating tackle. And so the picks, to me, make that makes sense is going to be Kinlaw or Receiver. Now, receiver, we just went over that the Niners haven't drafted one or whatever. It just kind of, you know, starts to make sense. You see so many of these analysts breaking down these picks and why. And uh, I call him Damone, but Dylan Simone, who I kind of always liked his analyst stuff, um, has been tying rugs to the Niners for quite some time because he just thinks his film and skill set translates to Shanahan's style of offense. He's a little bit of what you call a gimmick player. And I don't think guys probably like that or maybe even get insulted when they hear that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean bad or negative things. It just means that 
they're not your typical X and Y outside receivers who run post routes and, and go routes and whatever slants or whatever. These are guys that you give wide receiver screens to bubble plays, whatever. And then they're dangerous, man. When they got the ball in their hands and they got this type of speed and athleticism, they're dangerous in the open field. They're dangerous behind blockers and rugs. According to some analysts with married to Shanahan's offense is scary. So I, I'm starting to kind of feel that that has some legs a little bit, but I just don't know. It's, it's, it's just a really hard thing. Now, the last thing we need to discuss here is trading. The Niners might trade out of 13 and I could see that happening because all the scenarios I just gave you, they're not taking a quarterback. They're not taking a running back receiver. Their history shows they don't take receivers. I also know that um, there's not a Megatron or Julio Jones or that type of receiver in this draft, right? There might be a couple guys that are difference makers and maybe make a pro bowl or two or whatever. But what people don't realize with Shanahan is he doesn't need a Megatron or Julio Jones. Yeah. He worked with Julio Jones and that'd be nice to have, but these guys aren't Julio Jones or Megatron, but Shanahan doesn't need one of those guys to be effective as you can see with Debo Samuel. So Samuel, he took in the you know second round last year and you can tell Samuel fits Shanahan's style and he will be, in my opinion, a thousand yard receiver, hopefully perennial, and he'll just be a great player, a good, good player for a long time. And definitely in Shanahan's offense, he'll be that. So I I am really on the fence about what they're going to do there. And I think that as it comes down to it, I think the, the most likely things here are Werfs if he falls, or Kinlaw, or a receiver, or trading out. Those to me are the, are the four options they have. Now, if I had to sit there, gun to my head, what are they going to do? I think for whatever reason, my hunch is, is that they take the receiver they want or they trade down and then they get another player. A guy that you hear a lot of people linking to the Niners, but they're just not going to overpick them. him at 13 is a receiver named Justin Jefferson from LSU, which would mean San Francisco trades that pick from 13, drops down and grabs their guy in Jefferson. And then at 31, I think they're going to be Ian Ruiz. I'm a Michigan homer, but I think he's the highest touted center slash guard type player in this draft. And I think he'll be plug and play. And the Niners interior line stinks. Okay. There's no secret to why they cut Mike Pearson. You look at Pearson's numbers last year. I think he gave up three sacks in 16 games. He actually played well. Now people think Tomlinson did too. I personally think they both suck. Um, you're not talking about, you know, Mike Ayupati in 2012 type thing where there are dominant guards or Logan Mankins or, uh, Quentin Nelson, right? Uh, these guys are middle of the road, average players. When you're talking about person and Tomlinson. So if they think Lou Ruiz is like a future pro bowl type guy, you can get at 31 and he can play center or guard. Weston Richburg is not dependable. And even when he is, he's not that good. He's okay. And person they cut mainly because he had a decent year and then he just laid a complete egg in the Super Bowl. I mean, he it was almost like Chris Jones paid him to take a dive. Chris Jones ate his lunch so bad. So I could see them for sure taking an interior lineman at 31 because it's going to fit the way Shanahan likes to run the ball and you got a nice young buck in there who's going to solidify that spot and help you do what you need to do on offense to move the rock and score points. We're going to come back and uh, break down a few more things. 
Welcome back, guys. I uh, decided to try something new because I tried it with my buddy Justin a few weeks ago on his pod, and uh, I got my my best boy of 20 years, Bobby, on the phone. He's a huge diehard Niner fan like myself, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to just randomly actually call him after I text him recently, just a few minutes ago, to see what his thoughts are on the Niners' first round. Uh, preferably, you know, 13, we can discuss 31 too, but Bob, you there? Yep. How you doing? Good, man. And uh, I thought this would be cool, so I'm, I'm glad you uh, were up. I know you're probably playing Call of Duty or something, but thanks for pausing and coming on. And what do you um, – I know in, we've been talking the past couple weeks, and you, you know, sticking to kind of your form, you don't usually differ from what you think. A lot of the time you don't get moved off your opinion. You're, you're still on Kinlot 13 for the Niners, right? Yeah, that would be uh, my number one choice. I think he's a, a plug-in player of immediate impact. Um, I don't know if he starts day one, but I just don't know how he could not flourish in the rules um, with the Niners line and who they have around him. I, I don't think he's got a lot of pressure to perform um, in year one, but I also think he's got the physical tools to step in and play sooner rather than later. Um I don't know if defensive tackle is a huge hole for the Niners, uh, but I think if they go and grab him and have him and uh, DJ Jones uh, together um, or switching, that it's going to, the depth of their defensive line is what's going to move their whole defense. Um, I know a lot of people are huge on any of the three wide receivers, and preferably all I've heard today is how the Niners basically are drafting rugs. Um, and honestly, out of the three receivers, he's the least I want out of the three of them. Uh, I don't know if he's any good. I just think he could be somewhat of kind of a gadget player or returner and play good in space, but I want somebody that's actually going to be able to run all the routes, to, somebody to go to on third down when you need five yards. Um, it's another big, huge weapon. I don't know if Ruggs is that. Uh, the other part that I would... I uh, strongly think that's going to happen is if one of the four main tackles falls to 13, which is very, very, very possible. Um, and some of those guys fit better in the system. Um, obviously, I think the Niners would be the highest and worst. I think he's the most athletic. I think he's got the highest ceiling. Um, the kid from Georgia, um, that is... Andrew Thomas. Yeah, Andrew Thomas I like a lot. Uh, to, to plug and play uh, fairly early. Uh, you know, and we'll see kind of what happens. The only guy that I'm really not that high out of the tackles is uh, Becton. Um, I don't know if he fits their system. I'm not really that concerned about uh, his failed drug test, but uh, I, I, I just don't, I don't know if he fits their system and what Shannon wants to do in offense. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we've been around our buddy Ed for years, right? And, and, I think you probably lay more in the middle and I've always been somebody who um, and it's I'm unlike a lot of fans in the regard of where I kind of like to always build for the future too, because you're going to get into cap problems and other crap like that. And you got to have guys that are going to be around, but I don't blame fans when they want to like, Hey, this is our window. Let's win now. And when you talk about that, you're, you're talking about why the hell are they going to draft a tackle if he's going to just sit there behind Staley or McGlinchey, right? Like that, that theory I buy into, I kind of get that. So it, 
in my opinion, if, if worse isn't the one that falls, I don't know if they take one of those other three guys just to pay him first round money to sit. You know what I mean? Whoever they're drafted at 13, they're going to be extremely high on, or they're trading back. And they can trade back in this draft, in my opinion, probably fairly easy. It just matters on what you get draft capital you're going to get back. There's going to definitely be people that are going to move up for certain guys. That's 100%. Yeah, are are you of that uh, opinion too that they don't take a guy that that is basically gonna sit? Like if they draft at thirteen, they don't fall back. They they're not gonna take a backup, right? Uh, I I don't necessarily know about that. Um, I just think that if they're drafting somebody um, at at thirteen, I expect them to draft somebody at thirteen. It's gotta have to be somebody they're extremely high on. It might not be for this year, but somebody that they they see as a foundation of their team in the future. Um, when when you say foundation of the team, in my opinion, a lot of times that leads to offensive linemen and especially bookends. Um, and those guys can make an immediate impact and they could be on your team for years. Again, yeah. it's somebody that you build your team fully around. No, I know you said your thoughts about the three big receivers. Could you see them if they if they don't have their guy at thirteen dropping back and taking like Justin Jefferson or something like somewhere? A hundred percent. In fact, um, I think Jefferson is the one guy outside of the the top three that would fit their system the most. Um, I've seen them to the Niners in a few uh, mock drafts, and I think you're going to have to get Justin Jeff- Jefferson. Um, somewhere in the range of probably 15 to 21. So they're going to have to move back a little bit and see what, what other draft capital they can get. We'll find out. It's going to be very interesting tomorrow. And I, in my opinion, I think this draft's going to be uh, completely about a lot of trades of people moving up and down uh, tomorrow. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, that makes it exciting, at least for me. I, I like all the movement like that because you're kind of, it's just moving pieces and you're like, well, what are they moving up for? Or what is this other team dropping down for? And that's, if the Niners are in love with Jefferson, what you just said about being 15 to 21, what scares me with that is I hope they don't fall too far back and think they're going to get him. And then some other team drafts him that's already sitting in front of them when, uh, from where they fall back or another team moves up in front of them to get him. You know, that, so I'm hoping obviously, and, and, you know, we're just keyboard warriors kind of, and huge fans that are looking at this. You got to think if Lynch and Shanahan have their board and they're willing to drop back, they got to have more than just one guy that they're willing to take. Right. Correct. This is the thing about it. Every fan has who they're going to want. The minute that draft picks made, the fans are going to support whoever they draft. That's what it's going to be, period. But whoever they pick is going to be the right person, no matter what, because that's why those guys get paid money. And we sit and debate this thing all the time. Yeah, like McGlinchey versus Derwin James or whatever a few years ago. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, what do you do you have any thoughts at 31, or, or is that completely going to depend on who they take at 13 or the drop back position? I think it, it completely depends on what their situation is um, on it. Um, I can see, honestly, at that, at, at that um, a cornerback. Um, I can see, uh, I mean, there could be an offensive lineman they like at, at that point um, that, that's on there. It's going to be, again, really, really interesting. Um, you also can definitely see a wide receiver at, the, at that spot. I've seen... Uh, 
tons of guys in mock drafts uh, with them. Uh, I've seen Michael Pittman there. I've seen Michael Pittman as far back as, as the end of the second round. Um, it's just all over the place. And that's just one guy to name many um, that could be their, their options. Yeah, I, I keep going back to the fact, man, that they were so close. I, I mean, I know in mine and your mind and a lot of, of you know, other fans share our thing. They, they were like five minutes away from a ring and they didn't close the deal. They kind of choked. And really, they're bringing back practically the same team other than losing Sanders and, and Buckner. And with the depth they have at defensive line, it kind of makes you think, well, that might not be something they address early in this draft because they do have a lot of, you know, good players still with Bosa and Ford and Armstead and DJ Jones, right? But receiver, they haven't addressed at all and losing Sanders and they have Hurd and Taylor who are hurt. And I just think it's unrealistic being that they didn't sign anyone in free agency that they come back with Debo and Kendrick Bourne. You know what I mean? I, I feel like that's something that's just like, I can't get out of my head that they have to address that before the training camp starts. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, if they don't address fire receiver in this draft, then they're obviously very high on who they have in the building. And they have a lot of trust with, with both of those guys coming back, and they have trust with who they're going to have in their locker room. Um, I just, I, I can't see them not drafting a wide receiver within the first, you know, three picks. And, and same three picks, meaning that one of those picks they traded. Um, and so, Drafting somebody in anywhere from round one to round four. I, I just don't know how they don't drop the wide receiver anywhere in, in that position. Yeah, I agree, man. It, it just it just seems too glaringly obvious. But the you know it's it's just funny. Like the rugs thing, it's 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 black or white, right? It's almost like it's it's there's so many people that are just completely in love with the idea, or there's people that are just completely against it. When you say gadget player to me, I get that theory because. It's like even if he does fit Shanahan's offense and other things like that, they already have a guy in Samuel who can do the reverses and the and the other like little gadget plays that he does. And I don't know if it's realistic that they're going to have two guys like that on offense and not like a big bookend type X or Y guy. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I mean, what are you going to do? Run reverses with both guys uh, every other series? I just. Debo is that guy for them already. I cannot, can't see them getting somewhat of a similar player than that. Um, I know Debo is not a not a blow your your uh, you know numbers off as far as uh, speed goes, but I think he's everything that fits for them um, as far as moving the chains and, and and doing that. I just can't see them bringing in another receiver that's of his size. It's got to be somebody that's that's uh, bigger than him and and, and is different kind of just you know receiver than him um and i i'm not saying rugs is exactly what he is but i i think that uh they're very similar players let's put it that way yeah and that's then that's going back to what you said like jefferson and Pittman jr kind of fitting that mold that would seem to make more sense you know because they're not yeah. the same as debo yeah and if, if uh, rugs is the guy that they dropped at 13 tomorrow then obviously shanahan lynch know a hell of a lot more than we do and he's got a plan and Hey, speed kills at the end of the day. If that's what they want to go with, they're going to be a bitch to anybody in the in the league that's going to try to stop their team with that much speed in. Yeah, I agree. It's um, I, I'm with you, man. I trust what they're doing. It, like we talked about so many times at nauseum 
for years now, even right. And then it always comes up again as the draft approaches, like none of these GMs nail all their picks, right? They, they all are hit or miss. And I'll take Lynch and Shanahan's judgment with the fact that I know Bosa was, you know, an easy choice somewhat at number two, but they still had to pick him. They could have picked Quinn and Williams or uh, Josh Allen or someone else and blown it, but they didn't. They took Bosa. They took Kittle in the fifth. They took Debo in the second. They took, they hit a home run. So as many people want to bag on Solomon Thomas and the Reuben Foster thing, who knows what he could have became, but he was injury prone and a troublemaker, but that I don't necessarily look back on that and think that was a total busted pick, even though it turned out that way, you know? Um, yeah, it was high, high risk, high reward. Yeah, and it I, just didn't, it didn't work. I agree, though, with trusting what they're going to do. I'll be excited uh, no matter who goes tomorrow. So I'm excited, man. It's 11 o'clock, and we got like 15 hours or so to go. And it's as tomorrow approaches, man, getting to like three or four o'clock, we're probably going to hear even way more rumors. And it's it's exciting. I can't wait, man. Days like tomorrow is where it's really, really, really exciting to sit and watch your Twitter feed go, and you can get on there for two hours straight and be entertained. It's going to be going all over the place. There's going to be smoke everywhere. There's going to be deals going on. There's going to be people on the on the edge of getting traded. There's going to be trades. There's going to be trades of active players. There's going to be trades of, of draft picks. It's going to be all over the place. And we're not even talking about any GMs or any teams throwing up grenades to make it look like they're doing one thing and come back a, a different way. So believe me, a lot of that stuff's been going on the last week. Yeah. Hey, hang on for a second. I'm going to end this segment and uh, stay on the line so I can chat with you a little bit after this. Okay. All right. Thanks for coming on, man. All right, guys. I hope everyone's all set for tomorrow. I know that all of you will be tuning in. I want to take a minute to say, sorry, it's been so long since I've been on here. It's probably been a good six months. <laughs> um, I just can't find a consistent basis sometimes to do these things, but I really do enjoy it. And when I look on there, I got like around 40 people, I think, that consistently tune in. So it's it's super humbling that anybody even listens to this jibber jabber when I get on here. But I appreciate all of you who do. And I'm going to try to actually hit a first-time-ever type deal tomorrow with a live one. Well, as the draft's going on, uh, I got a buddy coming over here, my buddy Brian. He's done a co-pod with me before. He he refs for the WWE. I'm going to try to uh, link up with him while he's here and just kind of do segments and then put it all together and put it out for you guys to listen to. Kind of like a in-real-time reaction to the draft. We'll see uh, if I can pull that off and how it'll turn out. So you guys enjoy tomorrow. Enjoy the draft, and uh, we'll talk then. All right? Take care.